I love this woman. I love this woman, and I have to tell her. And if she laughs, she laughs. It makes it easier, easier to be. Feel any better if I asked you to the prom? Seems Blaine. He's so beautiful. Blaine? Oh, that's a major appliance. That's not a name. You won't be ready, no, no. Everybody, happy Valentine's Day! It's our Valentine's Day episode, Pete. Ooh, happy Valentine's Day! Early Valentine's. Oh, we didn't quite get the actual holiday, but a couple days before. All right, but happy Sounds Valentine's. Good. Sounds good. Happy Valentine's Day, and I hope everybody enjoys their tiny white teddy bear with a heart in between its hands that they got from Rite Aid. In your single red row. <laughs> yes, indeed. Everybody out there listening, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the movies that, that made us gay. Yeah. We are venturing into John Hughes territory yes. for our Valentine's Day episode. Yes, we invited back to the show Amber from our Chasing Amy episode. Yay. Amber, guys. welcome back to the show. Thank oh, we got to add, we have to add. <laughs> A reception of children for Welcome you. Welcome back. <laughs> I love it. And don't forget, on Valentine's Day, your box of random mystery Russell Stover chocolates. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I love a Russell Stover. I love, um, yeah. What's the, uh, the the yellow, a uh, Whitman sampler? Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Seas candy, if you're regional. West Coast. Love it. Oh, my goodness. Scott, how about this movie? How about these movies? I mean, it's a whole crew. Oh, yeah. You can't talk about one without talking about a bunch of them. So we settled on Pretty in Pink, directed by Howard Deutsch, written by the one and only John Hughes. Yes, indeed. I knew I wanted to do a John Hughes movie, but I wasn't quite sure what to do. Because I feel like if, gun to my head, what's my favorite John Hughes movie, I would probably say 16 Candles, Mm -hmm. even though it's the most problematic, we'll get into it. (laughs) But I feel like... Pretty in Pink has aged the best. Would you both agree? Definitely. Yeah, I feel like there's nothing hugely problematic in it that you wouldn't yeah. see happening today as well. Yeah. Uh, I also think that, like, in my head, I agree. And I feel like, oh, I would just easily just say 16 Candles. It's the funniest. You know, I can, like, recite it word for word. But Pretty in Pink is so, like, just rewatchable. Yeah. You know, and it's so relatable and it's just, yeah, I think it's a better movie just because it holds up so well as far as like rewatchability. And when you're watching it, you just kind of get lost in it. And all these John Hughes movies came out 
so qu- in such quick succession, yeah. one after another. And Molly Ringwald is in almost all of them. And she plays, I feel like she really has a big range. You it's know? the best showcase of her in all of these John Hughes movies. Oh, 100%. In my opinion, yeah. yeah. She, I feel like she really is the focus of this one yeah. in a very positive way. And her character is really actually dealing with real problems, not... My parents forgot my birthday. Yeah, yeah. And I never feel like, oh, well, it's just Samantha in, you know, as a senior or it's just yeah. Claire, you it feels know, like a very different funny character. Wardrobe. It's a different war- it's a different character, yeah. Not and a different wardrobe. And probably something a little closer <laughs> to yeah. who actually Molly is as a person. I think that she's mentioned that in interviews that yes. this is the role yeah. Andy she kind of most relates to yeah. of all of these movies. Yeah. Well, and I like that she's a pretty like they're not afraid of showing that she's smart. You're, they're not afraid of showing mm-hmm. that she's resourceful and kind of can control things. Yeah, like she's kind of running her household. Uh, she's yeah, kind of, <laughs> you know, while still maintaining a really high grade point average mm-hmm. at a school that's like hard and hates her. Yeah, <laughs> the dynamics at the school, oh, crazy. But I feel like the big like three Molly Ringwald characters like. Samantha in Sixteen Candles is a little bit of a brat, you know. I mean, she's she's a good kid, but she's a little bit of a brat at some points. And Claire is obviously flawed because she's just like the poor little rich girl character. But yeah, Andy, I feel like is the most like well rounded, and like you said, just like she's she's got her shit together. She's got the house, she's got her grades, she's got it all in check until Blaine comes along. Fucking Blaine. <laughs> Damn it, Blaine. Return of movies that made us gay all-star. Andrew McCarthy. Andrew McCarthy. <laughs> Last scene on this show when we talked about Mannequin. Yeah. And he made Mannequin the year after this movie with James Spader. What were they thinking? I know. The two of them. <laughs> I mean, honestly. What is going on with that choice? Although this character, for at least for Andrew McCarthy, is way less problematic because at least he's in love with an actual human A woman. Human person, yeah. So, leagues ahead. Okay, all right. I'll give him that. (laughs) James Spader is still the ultimate 80s mega douche. Yeah. And I spent the entire film just wanting to punch his face. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, is that a testament to his acting skill? Probably. Yeah, Spader's really good in this movie. And it's really this viewing that you just sort of zero in on, oh, James Spader's supposed to be 17 years old in this movie. (laughs) And he looks like he should be like... The Wolf of Wall Street, or something. Yeah. He should be like a day trader. Yeah. Well, when you, especially when you get to the scenes with both him and the woman playing um, Benny, his girlfriend. Yes. Like the two of them fully look like mid 20s, 80s yuppies who are already like working their way through their first failed marriage. (laughs) Yeah. They're there. She looks like a 27 year old woman. That is um, Kate Vernon from Battlestar Galactica. The reboot of Battlestar Galactica. That's where I remember her from. Who is she on the reboot of Battlestar? She, I mean, she comes in in like season three. So oh, okay. I didn't get there yet. yet. She's Colonel Ty's wife that just explicit, uh, inexplicably wakes up out of nowhere and surprise, surprise, Cylon. Sorry, spoiler <gasps> for a 25-year-old, 25-year-old, 15-year-old uh, yeah. miniseries. So kind of backing up a little bit, when was the first time we all watched Pretty in Pink? Who the hell knows? God, I feel like it's just all of these movies are so intrinsic in my DNA because I started watching them so young. Yes. Like my aunts were all 
teenagers at around this time and they Mm -hmm. would babysit me and this is what we would watch. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I feel like I don't remember not having an awareness of this movie. I think I remember first watching this when I was in high school. So I was around the age of the characters in this movie. I was probably about 16 years old when I first watched it. Mm -hmm. And I got a big stack of tapes from my uncle that he was giving away. A lot of them were like video store previously rented tapes. And Pretty in Pink was in there. And that's when I first watched it. And did you just love it? I did really like it. (laughs) Yeah. And I definitely grew up on Breakfast Club... Um, 16 Candles, because mm-hmm. those would just have a lot of TV airings. Yeah. But, yeah, that's when I, I was about 15 or 16 years old when I first watched this. Sure. We had all of these uh, recorded off of the television with commercials and fully just looped over, you know, the, the curse words. Yeah. <laughs> Either sounded like actors or they got them to come in and just sure. loop it all again. After they just the had fact, a different but... TV cut that was edited down. Yeah. And so we had we had a tape with like 16 Candles, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, like and this Karate strikes me, Kid. Like, and this strikes tape. me as a movie that your mom would really like too. Oh, yes. This has Melinda Shirley written oh, all yeah, over it. Oh, yeah. Required viewing. And my sister, I think especially for us... This one was the one that, like, my sister just really related to the most, mm-hmm. you know, out of all the other I ones. see your sister a lot in Andy. Yeah, of course. I, I, I totally get that. Of course. Well, and I feel like it's a more realistic view of high school than a lot of John mm-hmm. Hughes movies because she does go through a lot of bullshit and, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like, there were definitely moments where watching it, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm 15 again and <laughs> I remember this feeling and it's horrible. Yeah, for sure. Shot all throughout L.A. Yeah, so I think it's one of those things that the script is probably written for a a suburb of Chicago and just logistics of shooting, they had to do it in L.A. And I figured out when watching this movie that we walk by Andy's house all the time. Yeah. Usually whenever I do a walk in South Pasadena, I probably walk in front of Andy's house. And it's hard to recognize because all of the... um, vegetation and trees have pretty much overgrown the house. Well, I mean, it's it's not that it's overgrown and it's not Miss Havisham's house, but it's just... But the, it's hard to recognize. The landscaping is very yeah. different. It's hard to recognize. And also, the, like, really shabby train tracks, because, again... Well, not again. We haven't even talked about this. But the whole idea that Andy is... is a different cast. Than She's the literally on the, the other kids. side of the track. She is literally on the wrong side Quite of the literally. In this... First shots of the movie just show the train tracks. You know, I feel like the 80s were all about, we're just going to hammer you (laughs) right in the head with exactly what our metaphor is. We're just going to show you. And they laid it on really thick. Um, And so this neighborhood looks really kind of run down. There's literally train tracks right outside of her front porch. Now in South Pasadena, we have a a light rail system that runs, you know, through L.A. It's the gold line. It's the gold line. And it's a, you know, it's a lovely light rail system in South Pasadena. There's a nice train stop right there. It looks very different than it it did then, you know. It's a very nice neighborhood and it's meant to look a little shabby in this movie. Yes. And it might have been a little bit more run down at the time. It's about, it's just around the block from the Michael Myers house too. It is indeed from Halloween 1978. And probably where it originally, where the Michael Myers house originally was it was even you closer. Could, you could probably see the Michael Myers mm-hmm. house from this house, from the front yard. Yes, uh, Harry Dean Stanton mm-hmm. is her dad. Yep. Yes, I always get his name, multiple names. I'm always like, which one is he? Harry Dean Stanton from Alien. Yes, 
is her dad. I like that we don't get hit over the head. To, we do get hit over the head with the wrong side of the track situation, but we don't really get too much backstory as to where her mother is. Right she left, right? What we find out yes. is that she just left. And it's not anything. It's not like we don't really get get that much either. I mean, when we do find out, you know, Andy just kind of tells the dad, like, she just wasn't happy. She just left. Like, we need to, like, move on. Like, we need to move on. We're not going to get anywhere unless we just, she's gone. She's not coming back. And well, this is Andy telling the dad. Like, it, I mean, it adds a great layer for her yes, character that yeah. you see how quickly she had to grow up because mm-hmm. her dad is still not over it. And she kind of had to get over it really quickly. Mm-hmm. At 14. Yeah. Just to cope and yeah. make sure that everybody got fed and clothed yes. and, you know, taken care of. Yes. Because at this point, early on in the movie, we kind of see that she's getting him up out of bed, ready for a job interview because she says he's just working part-time jobs. Nothing really big time. You know, she wants him to go to this job interview, but he's just kind of like, all right, I'll go, I'll get up, whatever. But he's not super jazzed about it. And he doesn't seem to be super, like, in a bad place or, like, ashamed of, you know, not having that great of a job. He's kind of okay with just working part-time or whatever. Um, The whole idea of this movie is that Andy, again, she's from the wrong side of the tracks. Her dad doesn't have a great job. Mom's gone, broken home. Uh, she she wears this outfit and the dad says, "Let me see this this outfit that you're wearing. What what do you have? What are you what are you wearing today? How much did this cost?" She's like, "I bought the shoes secondhand. Everything else I made." She makes her own clothes, makes her own outfits, all this stuff. She doesn't have a lot of money. One could argue <laughs> that she's living in a single family detached home with a car. <laughs> her own car. It's true. She has her that, own room. She has that cool car. She got a car. She's not sharing a bedroom. She doesn't have like a thousand family members living on top of her. Hey, they're getting know, by. They're getting yeah, by. It's not. It's not the worst. You know, home yeah. life that yeah. you've ever seen depicted on film. Yes. It's probably the worst home life we've ever seen depicted in a John Hughes film. Yes. But you know, I feel like that's. What makes it a nice break for both Molly Ringwald and John Hughes as a writer is, like, we're seeing a different character. We're really delving Mm -hmm. into a home life that he doesn't usually go into. Right. Because how many years later do we get the... uh the McAllister's mansion. The McAllister's mansion. (laughs) Jake Ryan's estate. And also, I mean... uh, uh, Steph. Sam and... uh, Sixteen Candles. Their house is pretty big too. Their house is pretty pretty substantial. Yes, and sixteen. You're absolutely right. But yeah, while on the one hand, it's not like she's living in abject poverty. It is. It is a you know. Yeah, I mean, it's something. definitely. It's one of those things too, where in high school, everybody looks for what makes the other person more other. Right. And sure. this is just the thing that's going to make her the most easy target. I mean, I can tell you, just like wearing anything. That is like slightly different than what everybody else is wearing is just like. Well, I mean, I it made me feel like I had a very visceral memory of being in middle school, and I was wearing my aunt's hand me downs, and they were very like cool club kids in the eighties in mm-hmm. Dallas, and I went to a small little Catholic school in Fort Worth, <laughs> and so I was trying to dress like them, and it just it did not fly with my classmates. Yeah, so yeah. it I. Definitely had that feeling of like, oh, yeah, that was the worst. (laughs) I have no idea what you guys were talking about. I was voted best dressed. (laughs) 
No joke. <laughs> well, yeah. your school just appreciated flair. Yeah. <laughs> Mine, on the other hand, did not. <laughs> yeah, if you weren't wearing uh, Cole Haan loafers and carrying a Dooney Burke purse, oh my you were goodness. just nothing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> And I was the poor kid, so I also did not have any of that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Shit. I mean, yeah, I definitely was. I just, I definitely got a lot of questions about like, what, what is that? What? Are you, <laughs> why are you wearing that? And I'm just like, because I, I don't want to look like you. Like, yeah, I don't want to look like all you guys look the same. We, I mean, it was a Catholic high school that I went to, but it was all boys, and we didn't have a dress code, but they still all dressed the same. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would have gotten mad if we had a dress code because they all just the same anyway. But then I was there looking like a weirdo. Oh, well. Um, apparently it builds character. That's sure. what I was told sure. when I came home crying from school every day. <laughs> <laughs> but Andy, okay. How do, we desc- how do we describe Andy's aesthetic? Grandma chic? Andy <laughs> looks like she belongs in... In the village in New York right sure. around that time, mm-hmm. but she is stuck in a school full of people who dress like your mom in 1987. Yeah. And that's the other thing. What was the aesthetic of the cool rich? So they were the thing about the cool kids is that it wasn't just that they were cool as, and popular is that they were rich. Yeah. So they just dressed. Was it preppy? It was very preppy. preppy. It was very it felt very like Neiman Marcus to me. Like, sure. As soon as it popped up. Nice like, cardigans. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. very neutral. Mm-hmm. Everything was very sandy colors. Sure. Just like country clubish, mm-hmm. right? I guess is that the idea? I love those scenes of when you juxtapose all of the all of the cool kids outside and how they're styled with all of the popular kids inside. Oh, when Andy I think that's, I think like, that's kind of an interesting visual. Outside in the little mm-hmm. quad and Blaine goes out to meet her and he's just like, what in the hell? And then, and then you step inside, and it's like a, it's like a, like a, United States of Benetton ad. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing about outside was that it was like some crazy, like Venice boardwalk. They're a little overstyled. Like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was fully like, it, like you said, they just walked to Venice Beach, and they're like weirdos. Everyone get in this van. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. You have Although, 17 piercings. Come with me. Yes. Although I'm we always your punk rock help. I'm always a sucker for <laughs> 80s movies of when they show alternative culture. That's one of my favorite parts about John Hughes's mm-hmm. movie Uncle Buck is sure. all of all of the daughter's cool friends. Yeah. I don't really know if kids ever dress like this, but they did in the movies though. Yeah. I mean the 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 weirdo kids that were outside in the little and also the way that was shot, it looked like a prison yard. Yeah. First 100%. A hundred percent. The way all the like students were dressed in that prison yard, it's like I don't know that teenagers dress like that, but I think like cool young people dress like that in L.A. Yeah, at the time on their way to a punk club. Yeah, <laughs> yes, very specific. Shot yes. at shot at America's high school, John Marshall in yes, Los Angeles, Los Feliz. that you see in every single movie of this time. It's, it's the school from A Nightmare on Elm Street. It's usually shot at John Marshall. Yeah, not other John Hughes movies though. Okay, so don't sure. get that twisted. Mm-hmm. But it's not the school from Sixteen Candles. I think they used a different school in Las Vegas for their um, interiors too. Right. Um, but speaking of like uh, going to a punk show in L.A. in the eighties, there are a couple of scenes at this club that somehow Andy and her friends get into. Yeah. <laughs> Which these are sort of kids that um, 
their parental figures aren't always absent. So I do kind of buy them just going to this bar. It was the 80s. So they could just go to these shows. They established, too, Mm -hmm. that they know the bouncer. They know the Dice Man. Andrew Dice Clay. So I feel like Annie Potts' character got them in the The first first time. Mm -hmm. And then they just became kind of regulars. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you never see them really, like carousing or drinking a lot like yeah over drinking they're just there yeah. and when blaine takes her later on in the movie and he asks what she wants she asks for a coke mm-hmm. yeah so it's not like she's like give me a you know who is guy? that cute guy that dweezel zappa yeah shouldn't she be all about him i would be simon uh when the the first scene at the club she's sitting with her amazing friend who just love her talks all the shit to oh. the mean girls to their faces. That's pretty much Pete here. <laughs> I love that she just mouths like eat shit. Like, oh, I have that clip. We'll play it later. <laughs> oh, we love her. She's there at the club with, with her friend and there's a boy sitting with them at the table. And uh, that boy, his name is Simon in the, in the movie. They ask him a question. I forgot what she asks him. But he's played by Dweezil Zappa. He is Frank Zappa's son. Um, sure. He's in a lot of stuff. He was mostly a musician, but he's like so good looking that he was like, he acted in a lot of we'll stuff. We'll just throw him in this movie. Look yes. at this pretty man. Yes. Him and his, his brother and sister were in a lot of, his brother uh, uh, Ahmet and his sister Moon Unit, Moon Unit Alpha and Moon Unit Zappa. Yeah, he was very cute. But, I mean, we kind of glossed over it. We, we got to talk about Alona. Sure. <laughs> okay, so we'll talk about Goddess. Iona first, and then we'll get into Ducky. Oh yeah, we haven't even talked about Ducky. Should we start Jeez with Ducky? Louise. Yeah. Okay, I mean, we'll I start guess with we Ducky. Talk about and Ducky this was first. kind of the other reason why I think it's important to do Pretty in Pink at least on our show uh-huh. because you really didn't see gay or queer characters in any '80s teen movies. It just really wasn't the thing. And uh, if John Hughes were to write them, it would be a very specific way. But I don't think that there's ever an out gay character in a John Hughes movie. And here's my thing. I don't think John Hughes, were he alive to read Molly Ringwald say, well, I think Ducky would have come out as gay later on in his life. Yeah. I kind of feel like he wouldn't be on board with that. I don't know why. I Probably not. Feeling. Probably not. I feel yeah. like that just didn't enter into his worldview yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. But everything about that oh, character oh. screams. <laughs> I I mean, as a hag of long standing, <laughs> yeah. I have dated seven of that guy. <laughs> and, and usually I'm the one where they're like, after dating you, I've decided I am 100% <laughs> a homosexual. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> and I can definitely relate to being... Like Ducky in high school and being friends with a lot of girls. Yeah. And sort of mistaking thinking that you have a crush on someone with just wanting to be their friend and just thinking that they're awesome. Right. I feel like he yeah. was totally yeah. just captured by her aesthetic mm-hmm. and being the one other person who could appreciate his aesthetic. Yeah. So it's very much that classic gay guy, straight girl relationship. Yes. And, you know, like... Yeah, probably he wouldn't have come out in high school oh, no. in reality Not back movies, then. Yeah. But at some point down the stretch of his life, he would have definitely come out as either gay or I'd buy bye. Sure. And I'm sorry, the scene where he is sitting in his spray-painted room listening to the Smiths. <laughs> Hi, honey. Honey. Pretty queer. Yeah. 
You are you are of the rainbow coalition. Oh yeah, I mean the jewelry, the the hats, the hats, the coats, the the creepers, the, the feathered, lip syncing for your the feathered, life, the feathered pompadour, the lip yeah. syncing. <laughs> yeah, all of it, all of it is just something that you do that you think you're supposed to do to show how much you are like in love with the girl, but it's just like it's just to show how you just you just gotta dance. Yeah, or you're trying <laughs> so hard to show you're in love with a girl because yeah. you. Don't mm-hmm. kind of want to admit that I also have a crush on Blaine, and maybe that's <laughs> why I'm so mad about you yeah. going out with him. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, 100%. It, yeah, his wardrobe is crazy. It fully is, but it, I feel like he's he matches Andy. At oh least. yeah, 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 yeah. So For sure. you can see why they're friends. Yeah, yeah. They're both going thrifting with each other. <laughs> he's telling her what looks fabulous on her. <laughs> She's helping to style him. I like though when the dad's like, "Oh, uh, wh- you know, where'd you get this outfit or whatever?" And she says, "The shoes I bought, everything else I made." And I'm like, "You made that applique vest? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you needed that cardigan? <laughs> what?" I'm assuming she's just like repurposing things. Yeah, I mean, as we see later on, she likes yes. to take existing pieces and then sometimes do bad, bad. Things oh to yeah. Them. <laughs> Oh my god. The dress. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get there. The but progress. I have <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh my goodness. I um, really love the moment and we have the clip of it is when mm. they're driving around. And I feel like this is something that we all do when we're in the really nice, rich neighborhoods. I mean, we're neighboring to San Marino. So I go on my walks all the time looking at mansions mm-hmm. and just thinking, Man, I want to live there. Mansions. These houses are amazing, Doug. Hey, first million I make, I buy you one. I hate this one. They're so beautiful. Hey, you want beauty? Look in the mirror. This whole tape is horrible. I, I must be going through like a hormone thing because every song I listen to is making me sick. I mean, why can't I find a decent song here? That was my favorite. Are you deaf? The house. Oh yeah, yeah. That's 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 a nice little little crib. I wonder what it's like inside. Well, what what difference does it make? You know what the really sad thing is, though. I bet the people that live there don't think it's half as pretty as I do. You know what I mean? No, Andy. I'm just just don't write love songs like these, dear. It's I I oh. I'm angry about this now. I'm, I this my evening's shot. I, just drive me home now. That was one of my mom's favorite lines from this mm-hmm. movie when she said, I bet the people that live there don't think it's half as pretty as I do. Yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> and these two are almost like an old married couple because they're not <laughs> even listening to each other and they're just yeah. sort of having their own conversation with themselves, thinking that the other person is listening. Yeah. I fully think, though, that Ducky is very frustrated because he's spitting out gems and <laughs> things he is just I know. wit, wit, wit. <laughs> and she is talking about Nothing. this stupid house. <laughs> Which, again, most 16... I drive around and look at houses now. If oh, you yeah. at 16 had caught me and been like, let's go look at houses, I'd be like, mm, let's do literally anything else. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, <laughs> I feel like that was something that we did early in the pandemic, Pete, is that we would go for evening drives and go look at houses. Yeah. Would one of you pull up Zillow and be like, oh, <laughs> let us laugh cry at how much that house is. Yeah. Because we live in Southern let's, California. Let's check the Zestimate. <laughs> what would be the monthly mortgage rate? Ugh. 
Oh my goodness. So, so that's our friend Ducky, but we do have to talk about Iona. Icon. Icon Iona. <laughs> Goddess. Bless Goddess. her heart. I love how she's introduced stapling records on the ceiling. Yeah. And she's just like, ah, genius. I'm I, a genius. <laughs> I love a bitch who knows her own worth. Yeah. And she is. She's mm-hmm. just, I'm awesome. Look at what I've done. It is great. <laughs> Look at my merchandising. <laughs> um, Look at my awesome hair that looks like a dandelion floof. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. And I am pulling it off. You know what's crazy is that this is the same year as she did... Designing Women. So this came out in February, and Designing Women was probably fall of '86. That's wild. That is insane. Yeah, I mean, she has she's she's That's a range. Gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had just done Ghostbusters. You know, a year before this, or a year or two before this. Um, yeah, talk about range. I love Iona because her styling, while it's out there, it does make a lot of sense to me because there's. Certain looks, there's especially a look where she's, it's kind of like a 40s look that she's doing where she's got like the knitted hairnet situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, that's how ex-punks who were punks when they were kids dress when they're in their 30. You know what I mean? As they age out of it, they transition into like these different looks and they're never just going to look like your average person, they're still going to have an edge to them, but it's going to be a different kind of theme. And like, I think it just worked really well with yeah. Iona and how. Well, and every styling. time she showed up on screen, she looked so different, but it yeah. all felt organic and really like worked for her character. Yeah. And again, she is just like, she is laying down the best advice. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, she is sure. that boss you dream of. Oh, mm-hmm. Love. I w- I kind of want to wish that she owns tracks the record store, but I don't think so. I don't think that she owns it, but she pretty much. I mean, she might as well own it. She runs it. She runs it. Yeah. I think it's like an Empire Records situation, <laughs> like with Joe. Because <laughs> she mentions later on, she doesn't want to work in retail for the rest of her life, and she, so it's like, well, I don't know if you would say that if you kind of like own, own the, the shop, yeah. right? But, I mean, she does come out with, I think, it, what is my favorite line in the movie, where she says, <laughs> don't waste good lip gloss, when she's encouraging Andy to it's go out true. when she thinks she's been stood up. Stood and I'm up, like, yeah. that is <laughs> solid life advice. You got yourself dressed up. You look good. Go out and the find The duck somebody. man's here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, are, there is always another dick. Oh, yeah. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's like my grandma used to say. Men are like buses. Another one's going to come along. She did used to say that, by the way. She had the whole. She had the whole little quote. Whatever it is, what is it? Another one comes along every fifteen minutes. Yeah, something like that. She. Knew I mean, it. truth. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen where um, the record store tracks was filmed at in LA? No. It's at the Promenade. It's at the Santa Monica Promenade. Third it's it's Promenade. one of those big. Have you ever been to the Promenade? Yeah. It's one of those big corner stores that probably like a, restaurant a, a fancy restaurants there now. Yeah, of course. And it's crazy to look at what the Promenade looked like in '86. Yeah, it's a little rundown. Definitely not how it looks like now. No. no. I mean, watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You mm-hmm. can see you can see more of the Promenade there. Um. Yeah, that's another. Just character note of Andy is that she has to work. 
She has a job. I mean, a pretty cool job. It is a cool job. Yeah. That's like could be worse. that's like goals right yeah. there. Is working in a record <laughs> shop. Yeah. yeah, it's that's the dream high school job too. Yeah, for sure. And um, but this is where she kind of has her first meeting with Blaine. And again, you know, Scott, small town, me, Catholic high school. We didn't go to the high school where the yearbook was like an encyclopedia, like three volumes. Where it was like, don't I have blah, blah, blah class with you? It's like, no, I know every single person in my oh, school. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I went to Catholic school yeah. for 13 years, and it was mostly the, the same, same people. people for all 13 years. <laughs> so going to college, it was like, ugh, finally, new yeah. faces. Yeah. But I would always see that in movies where it would just be like, don't I sit behind you? And it's like, yeah, you know, you sit behind. We have the same class. Like, come on. Although, fun anecdote in my life. So I went to school with this guy named john for 13 years of my life (laughs) i come back from college and admittedly i looked a little different but not so different Mm -hmm. and i was out to dinner with my parents and he came over to talk to my parents and then introduced himself to me i was like do you know who i am (laughs) you know these people through me me." (laughs) and he was like oh i didn't recognize you and i was like oh my god bitch 13 years of school that's amazing. <laughs> but, I mean, granted, suffice it to say, there are schools this big. I bet oh, LA public yeah. schools are pretty massive. Yeah. yeah. So, And, um, you know, Blaine comes into the record store to meet Andy. He's kind of like, I don't know, he's got his eye on her. Like, A little bit. Yeah. I think he's trying to flirt. Okay. Andrew McCarthy. Cute. Very cute. Cute. Kind of wimpy in this movie. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of nothing. Like, That's just is, kind of the character, though. He is so vanilla. It, yeah. It's just, Andy, why? Like, you are better than this. Yeah. And, like, on the one hand, it's like, okay, he's a little vanilla. He doesn't really have a lot, like, uh, personality-wise. But then later on, when they do go out on the date, and she's just like, I'm not comfortable here. I don't want to hang out here. He's like, no, we're going to stay. Yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> it does not feel like a good date no. at all. It's like you you two can't find like a middle ground. Just go to, to go. Denny's. I mean, come on, you're teenagers. I mean, like <laughs> there has to be a restaurant in this town that's that's open, high school friendly. Yeah, just go. I mean, yeah, when you're a kid, any kind of like Denny's, Caro's kind of situation, right? They're open all night. They're not going to kick you out. And I mean, I feel like my high school dates never involved, like, let's go to this crazy party. (laughs) It was, let's go to the movie, let's go to the mall, let's go, you know, to Bennigan's and Mm -hmm. have, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was that kind of thing. In case anyone was wondering how old I am. Oh, man, I miss Bennigan's. They had a really good Monte Cristo sandwich. Oh, my goodness. It was huge. (laughs) Um, This party. Okay, well... Are we jumping ahead? We got a lot to cover, so maybe it's okay if we jump ahead. The, I mean, yeah. The only I feel like the only thing in the beginning of the movie that you really need to cover are those hideous gym outfits. <gasps> oh, we got to talk what about the gym is scene. Going on with these? Are they jumpsuits? Was that a thing in the eighties? Was that just like a? I don't know. I feel like I was wearing shorts and t-shirts. Yeah. They are wearing what looks like a car mechanics. It's like a jump. It's like a romper it's that cover, are shorts. It's coveralls that's shorts. Yeah. Yeah. With a, fully a collar. a collar. There is a collar and a pocket in which Andy has put a pocket square. square. And she's wearing color floral tights. Are you running the mile in that? 
Andy. No, Andy, Andy and the friend are just sitting in the corner just smoking. Yeah. Well, the friend is smoking. Andy's not. But Is this the scene where we get uh, Jenna's famous line? Uh, I yeah. I mean. Hey, Penny. Fox. Penfield. Hey, shrivel up and fall off, okay? What was that, Miss Holman? Um, <clears throat> I said I hope they shrivel up and fall off. You hope what shrivels up and falls off? Her breasts, Miss Deeds. <laughs> Shut up. You are out of here, Homan. Bye-bye. 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 I love that line. I think it, I think that's my favorite line of the whole movie. It's a good one. I mean, I feel like the whole beginning part of the movie does a really good job of establishing like who Andy is, yeah. who her friends are, who her people are, how you know, how terribly she's treated, but also how she can just walk into the principal's office and be like, "Listen, yeah. I'm not going to detention and neither is my friend and you're going to be okay with it." <laughs> yeah. Cuz I'm the smartest one here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, yeah, he just kind of was like, "All right, yeah, you're right. You're right." I mean, power move, Andy. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, I f- gym uniforms were just dolphin shorts and a t-shirt. Also, uh, with your name sharpie. Gina it. Gershon. Yeah. How about that? Just in a like a one sentence speaking role. She doesn't even have her character. Doesn't even have a name. Mm-hmm. She's like girl two. I definitely recognize that Gina Gershon face. Oh yeah, for yep. sure. This actress died. The girl that says, "I hope yeah. they show up and fall off." She died. She died in nineteen eighty-five, age twenty-three. Oh my goodness wow. gracious! I think it was a drug overdose. Yep. Ugh. Um, the head mean girl. Her name is Benny. Yeah. Everybody has weird weird names. names. Do you think that Steph and Benny and Blaine? Do you think it yeah. was like Benjamina? Uh, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know. Um. She's like the head horrible girl to Andy. Just like talks a lot of shit. What did she say? Like, where'd you get? Where'd you get that outfit? The five and dime. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know they're trying to be clever and you're just looking at it like you're just Yeah. You're dumb and your life is gonna be terrible. <laughs> like enjoy your glory now because it ends 27. in six months. Yeah. <laughs> when you look twenty seven when you're seventeen, it's not a great sign. How you're gonna look when you're actually twenty seven. <laughs> Forty five. Yeah. Um so yeah, so Blaine kind of like does his best to kind of track down Andy Caesar at the record store. He does this weird like crazy computer situation which was impossible in 1985. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this row of computers. This school man. This I is, mean yeah. I would think that a public school would probably have two maybe three computers in the public library (laughs) or like in the school library i feel like they're leaning on this idea that it is a very rich kid school Uh, yeah and even if you live in the district it's probably one of those rich kid public schools where they're like you may live in this district but we're gonna do everything we can to like draw a circle around your house and say no you can't come to this school yes because andy does kind of talk about that kind of thing when she's talking to the principal yeah that's kind of how she shames him into like getting out of detention she says something about like allowing me to like get my education here. So, do you think it's like a Andrea Zuckerman type of situation? I don't know. Using her grandmother's address to go to West Beverly like a cheat scandal. Uh, um. <clears throat> 
So she has him pick her up at tracks because, you know, her house is. She first thinks that she's stood up, right? Yeah. Isn't he late? He's hella late, right? And also, like, that alone, I feel like Andy is too good for that kind of nonsense. And (laughs) I had to keep reminding myself because there were times where I'm watching what's happening. I'm like, why aren't these two just having a conversation? I'm like, oh, yeah, they only look like they're 40. Their characters are 16 and don't have the emotional language to have these conversations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They just look old enough to be having these conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, he's he's driving a BMW, like he's dressing like you know Don Johnson, like it's. But really, they're supposed to be teenagers, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we forget. Um, but yeah, forty five minutes late to the first date. I'm sorry, I'm I'm no, out. I'm no, done. Yeah, I'm somewhere else eating an aggressive amount of chocolate. Does ice cream. he even explain? No, I don't even think we get an explanation. I think he just says sorry. Like, oh my god. Men. Can't you call the record store ahead? I know that cell phones don't exist, but you can call a landline. Yeah, you can figure it out. So he takes her to this party that she does not want to go to because it it is at James Spader's house. Mm -hmm. And James Spader has spent this whole movie wildly, inappropriately flirting with her in the most crass way. Like harassment, like borderline. Walking around this party like he's he's fucking like... uh, at the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> well, to be fair, there are two people half naked, like, in Just the living room. Just dancing in the living room. Yeah. So it might as well be the grotto. Yeah. I Ugh, think- that scene where they're sitting down in the bedroom couch. And it's like, <laughs> clearly they've just had sex. Yeah. And also, can we discuss Awkward. the bedroom couch? What? Yeah. <laughs> Why? That's the other thing. If Okay. Granted, this is Steph's house. Your parents are gone. They're out of town, whatever. You're going to take your girlfriend to do it with her in your parents' bed? I know it's bigger, but come on. Right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe it's just me and my, like, Catholic upbringing yeah. where in my parents' house would be hard enough. Yeah. In their bed, it's just <laughs> like, this is the least sexy I've ever felt. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Steph probably, I don't think he's like, I don't think he's rocking a twin bed. He probably has like a, a full at least. Probably His bedroom is probably nicer than the parents. Yeah, he's probably got himself a nice setup. Oh, fully. He can just have just have her in there. Is he like Regina George where that actually is his room? Possibly. He has the master bedroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we're just uh, talking that over asses. But, um, but Benny, yeah, he is the worst. He's in the case worst. we haven't established that, he is the worst. And Benny is worse than we thought. Because first she was just talking shit in class, yeah. just kind of like out loud. But now at the party, she's just like, fuck you. Why are you here? Leave <laughs> to Andy's face. Gross. Yeah, it's so gross. Yeah, it's interesting that you think that maybe the script would go in a direction that maybe the mean girls would start to be nice to her and then just stab her in the back afterwards. But sure. not here. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting, too, is, I don't know, I feel like if I were Andy... And there are some similarities. Like, she's kind of mean to Ducky through the entire she movie. Is, yeah. yeah, she is. And it's like, hey, he's still one of your two friends. Yeah. Like, You've known him since you were a dial child. dial down the asshole. Yeah. And, you know, definitely call him out for like, hey, we are not going to date. Like, let's calm that energy yeah, down. Yeah, but yeah. she's just outright mean to him. I mean, I True. think that well, I mean, we'll talk about the ending when we get there and what the original ending was, and that's one of the main reasons why I don't think that that ending where she ends up with Ducky would work, 
Because that's not how Molly is playing the character. Not at all. I mean, I feel like the better ending would be Andy ending up alone. Yeah. (laughs) Which I realize is Mm -hmm. not allowed in a romantic comedy, but still, like... I don't know. If I were rewriting this script for today, A, it wouldn't need a ton of rewriting, Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's where I'd end it, is Andy looking around and going, no. I'm out. (laughs) Uh, I have a fantastic scholarship to study fashion in New York City. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. If if I leave now, I can still catch the end of Cheers. Right. (laughs) I don't need to waste my time on you tiny boys. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, no, she her her interactions with Ducky sometimes are a little are a little hard. And I hope that it's just not one of those friendships where she never calls him. He's always the one that reaches out to her. Mm. I, that's what I kind of get. I kind of get that too. And yeah. like this time I felt I don't know. I go back and forth. Like I felt really bad for Ducky and then there were scenes where I'm like Ducky. <laughs> No. I think I said yeah. to Pete Don't that... Don't pull the fire alarm. Yeah. Again. Bad. <laughs> I think I said to Pete that John Cryer in this movie has zero chill. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Zero no. chill. Just like dial, it, like dial it down a little bit, kid. Yeah. Yeah. No, he operates at 100 <laughs> all the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's even in the like trivia that he kind of didn't really get along with Muller Ringwald and Andrew McCarthy because... They're both a little bit more subdued personality-wise, and he's mm-hmm. just kind of a little bit more Ducky-like in person. So, Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, personally, the idea of working on a movie where my entire cast is comprised of teenagers <laughs> sounds like one of the circles of hell. It's just like, <laughs> I can't, none of this yeah. sounds good. So what do you think of this whole business where molly ringwald says that she really wanted robert downey jr for ducky i feel like that would have been a completely i think they read together and that's what she says is that like if it was robert downey jr sure like the ducky ending would have made sense oh a hundred percent yeah but yeah you just you can't you can't put john crier up against 80s heartthrob andrew mccarthy (laughs) Playing like yeah. suave rich guy, and especially when he's just again attacking with this energy nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to be Ducky's friend and kind of pull him aside and be like, "Buddy, let's I, turn I it know. down." <laughs> I know. Iona should have had a little sit down with him. Yeah, I love yeah. that scene with with Iona when they get her at the club, and you can tell that she hasn't been there in a while, and she's just like, "I'm too old for this shit." <laughs> When she's there. I I told him he was my kid. Um, (laughs) What do you think about Anthony Michael Hall? No. Because he says he turned it down because it It was right after 16 Candles. So he was like, we already did this. And right after after Breakfast Club. Because again, and again, like, Anthony Michael Hall didn't look the same age as anybody else. Right. Like, he didn't come into his face his age mm-hmm. until much later he until always Edward looked like a hands. kid yeah. mm-hmm. and I feel like trying to make a love triangle with those three would have been even harder Yeah, um, I think Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringold actually went out I think so. like in real life too but yeah so he he turned it down he says we already did this it would be kind of you know redundant or whatever for me to do it again so he, so he drops out RDJ reads Molly Ringwald is like that one, please. Yeah. But for whatever reason, 
They didn't. <laughs> they used him in Weird Science, where he is a totally a dreamboat in that mm-hmm. movie. Um, yeah. What no, year was Weird Science? It's credited as eighty-five. They literally just shot. Yeah, right. Shot on top them of all each back other. to back. Anthony Michael Hall in Weird Science had a growth spurt. He's tall, at least. Yeah. He still looks oh, baby. Face. What about the other one? Could he work as Ducky the, from from Weird Science? The kid from Weird Science? No, Elon Michael Hall. No, yeah. he, or not Elon. Michael, Elon Wyatt he was. Smith. He would have been too little. He was very young. I think mm-hmm. he was like actually fifteen when they started shooting Weird Science. He's one of those people like um, Jake Ryan that I regularly do Google searches for. Like where just to Wyatt see from Weird Science? Where today? is uh, both of these actors and what do they look like now? And Jake <laughs> Ryan is very hard to find current pictures of. Sure. Is he selling real estate somewhere? Oh, my god! I think that he, like, makes furniture or something. All right. That feels... You know who else accurate. is, like, almost impossible to find? Uh, Bastion from The NeverEnding Story. Where did he go? Mm-hmm. Can't find him. Look him up. Well, Atreyu <laughs> is, like, a... He's, like, he a, a tattoo artist. He's, like, a tattoo yeah. artist, and, and like a I've musician. seen him on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. He lives out in, like, Sun Valley or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still showing up for that con money? Oh yeah, that's yeah. where that's where the money's at, man. I, I mean, mean right? I go to the I go to the fucking Atreyu table. I would I would oh, sit 100%. there and sign my my eight by tens. <laughs> yeah, I'd go to the Atreyu table if it, if he was there. But um, I I mean, I guess we 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 get we get John Cryer, and he's good in this. Yeah, I think he's doing good work here. Yeah, I mean, he's making a choice. He's playing mm-hmm. Ducky in a very specific way that is completely different from how. Uh, RDJ would have played it. Yeah. But it just, I don't see them ending up together. And I've yeah. never, I never rooted for that. No. I never yeah. rooted for them to end Same. up together. Yeah. Because as I grew up watching it, it was like, this is not a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I got the vocabulary for because that is a gay man. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, I feel like I kind of rooted for. Andy and Blaine, but just because they were the leads, and that's just like kind of how, as a movie watcher, I you're just kind of programmed to be like, these are the two that you want to get together. So, right, that's kind of how my brain and Andy McCarthy it. is very cute. Yeah, but now, I mean, fully now, I'm just like, oh, no, not not him. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it has that rom com problem, and I'm lose my girl card all the time when I say this, but like, I do not like rom-coms. And a lot of it is because you watch this relationship and you're like, do you two even like each other? Do you even like to be around each other? Because watching all of the John Hughes rom-coms, I'm like, do you two, you don't even know her last name. Like, how is this? We're in love. Yeah. It's like, no, you are horny and that is fine. But (laughs) let's calm down. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but he does ask her to the prom. Oh, the prom. Because that's kind of like... I think the prom in this movie is just kind of set up as this like this goal for Andy. She doesn't really think she's going to go. She keeps, But she keeps talking to Iona about it. Did you go? Like, how was it? And Iona gives her this weird speech about the one friend who never went and then just has this like 100-yard stare every now and then. It's it's because she regrets not going to the prom. It's because she regrets not going to the and prom. And you have to say it in that, like, Annie Pops delivery. Because <laughs> she didn't go to the prom. I have I have a little bit of that scene, too. Oh, that one? Uh, it's not that exact scene, but it's, sure. that, it, it's that interaction when she goes over. To her apartment in to Chinatown? To her apartment in fucking Chinatown. Oh because, of course, Iona is that fucking cool <laughs> that she lives in a apartment in Chinatown. Yeah. 
The only thing, I mean, it's fine to have her apartment in Chinatown because it's not like, it doesn't look like the inside of like a Chinese restaurant in her apartment, but her doorbell is a gong. <laughs> I mean, honestly, least offensive use of a gong sound in all of the movies this we watched. This is true. This I mean, is true. especially heard, Six and Candles. We've heard gong sounds yes. in other, in other shows. It didn't make me cringe. Right. It was just kind of cute. It's just like, oh, funny. I mean, I'm old enough to be his mother, but when the duck laid that kiss on me last night, I swear to God, my thighs just went up in flames. I must practice on melons or something. Is this your progress? <laughs> Believe it or not. That's great. Silly. It's a great interior. And I'm going to prom. Stop it! <laughs> I am. Last night he asked me. I don't know. I said yes. Seems really weird. You were here for 15 minutes and you didn't even tell me. But I really, really wanted to go. (laughs) Then proceeds to commit a crime against that dress. (laughs) But I'll commit a crime against Uh, Iona fully changes into her hairspray bald miss. Miss Baltimore, Baltimore Miss Baltimore Crabs outfit, <laughs> like whole new face. She takes all of that makeup and like reapplies her makeup. Yeah, beehive wig, everything. I love that scene. I do too. That dress is adorable. It's cute. Annie Potts, that crazy tiny Annie Potts like little body, so tiny. <laughs> and waist. then again, then she gives it to Andy, uh, who commits a to crime just against ruin it. it. Okay, just ruins it. We, Okay, we can talk about the prom dress. Okay, so how are we going to break this down? If she was on the first episode of RuPaul's Drag Race or Project Runway, is she probably lip syncing oh, with that 100%. dress? 100%. Because, first of all, Molly Ringwald is a beautiful woman. Yeah. yeah. And that dress doesn't is have a, a lot of shape to it. Yeah. Like the only it's more body of a rhombus. She's showing is like a weird cut out cold it's a, shoulder. It's a pink rectangle. Yeah. It's a rhombus because it's it's skinnier at the top than <laughs> I don't care. It's just I Well, and let me say this about this whole pretty and pink situation. Molly Ringwald is a true redhead. Mm-hmm. She's got red hair, she's got brown eyes. And redheads don't typically look that great in pink. Yeah. And like, I mean like the color wasn't awful on her no although that shiny cheap ass lace on the dress her dad brings home that she frankensteins into the horror dress was not a good pink no i feel like if you just wore iona's dress yeah she should have had just just wear that vintage dress it is timeless yeah i would wear that dress tomorrow cute (laughs) it was oh it was adorable like yeah, jazz it up with some fun accessories, mm-hmm. like add a belt, whatever. Don't chop it to hell no. and add tacky-ass lace to the top <laughs> and a full collar. Ew. Yeah. She just wanted something a little classy. She kind of turned it into like a weird halter situation, mm-hmm. but then there were like the shoulder cutouts, the weird shapelessness at the waist. Like, there was just literally nothing. And then I feel I like I once she goes to the prom, she doesn't accessorize it at all. Like, she's not wearing earrings. 
Yeah. I mean, she's not wearing a lot of makeup, but that's just kind of the character of Andy is that she just doesn't wear a lot of makeup. Yeah. But, I mean... It's I guess prom. that you could belt it, but I, but I guess that's the point of the rectangle dress is that you don't belt it. Yeah. The shape it's it's is, making that type of a yeah. statement. I don't know. It's it's pretty bizarre. It is. <laughs> ugh, it is a crime against fabric. It's like it's it is every time I watch it, even watching it as a kid in the late 80s, oh, yeah. I was like. This is horrible. Yeah, we were all just like, my sister and I were just like, what is this? What did she do to that what dress? What did she do? And I feel like, I don't know, like, thank God they didn't give her a real, like, Cinderella moment yeah. at the prom. Because sure. I would have been like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, especially in the 80s, this is like the height of like, you know, you can go, I mean, there are stores in the mall that just had formal wear for girls. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, not Charlotte Roos. What was the Jessica McClintock? Yeah, <laughs> cachet, cachet. Yeah, that is where I got my prom dress in the yeah. late nineties. The Jessica McClintock in the Glendale Galleria was like a corner, and like it was huge. Oh my goodness! Yeah, formal wear for gals was just a very, it's a very specific thing, and that's another thing where just because of like uh, fashion and style, and also just like the the social norms of your school. Pretty much all the dresses look kind of like a version of of the same. Yeah, you idea. just walk in and you're like, mm-hmm. "Here's the rack of the same dress in yeah. different colors. Yeah. I'm wearing green, you're wearing blue." Yeah, and, and this... then Andy was like, "I'm gonna wear a box." <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this time for prom dresses, it was like poofy sleeves, big skirt, <laughs> just like yeah. kind of a plain they front. They don't even really show a lot of what everybody else is wearing. Yeah. What you do see is that a white tuxedo jacket was the way to go. Just looking like valet. Looking. <laughs> Pops. <laughs> They're about to park some cars. But I feel like even if she had like a typical eighties dress that she like found at a thrift store mm-hmm. from last year's prom yeah. and she just like did something interesting and like cut off the sleeves or whatever. But girl, like a waist is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Don't hide I think it. I think you're right. I think going full vintage just doing a vintage look. Yeah. Would have made the it same statement. It would have oh, been a little more And successful. she would have looked way cuter. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like, all she had to do was take Alona's dress and be yeah. like, yes, this. Like, if we, if I went to prom and, like, when I went in the 90s and just saw a girl wearing, like, a 60s dress, I would have been like, oh, my God. That's Super cool. cute. <laughs> that's fucking really cool. But, yeah. And I'd probably have less shame looking back on a vintage dress in yeah. whatever decade than looking back and going... Did you guys really let me wear yeah. a box? A pink lacy box? <laughs> Screw you, Ducky. Yeah, she is bottom two. Bad gay. Although, you know, I'm, I'm not really one to talk shit on ugly prom. Because I was <laughs> a fashion victim of, like, the zoot suit when I was a senior in high school. Those pictures will never see the light of day. Mm. A full, like, hat. <laughs> PSA for this episode, never wear a zoot suit hat to prom. So, I mean... Like, who am I to talk shit about this dress? Oh, no. My senior prom dress was amazing. I looked like Cinderella. I was living my fucking princess <laughs> fantasy. I had an updo. I had gloves. I, no. I, yeah. I stand by that decision. I looked look cute my junior year. Yeah. Because I just did a basic black tux. Sure. But that said, I hardly remember our senior prom. Like, it's... It, it, I feel like that memory just wastes away with every passing month. Yeah. No, true. Yeah, it just falls out just like an old phone number. It is never the greatest night of your high school experience. 
That is a lie. Oh, yeah. No, no I had on. way more fun, like, bowling afterwards than right? at the actual prom. Because we went bowling in our prom dresses, and it was uh, way more fun than... Our after party at the prom... Too. Our after right? party for the prom was at a bowling alley. Yeah. We didn't do the grad night, but they had one that was uh, related to the prom. Okay. Yeah, this was just my theater dork friends and I ah. being, like, for bored with this. Because everybody else... Stayed at like the country club sure. and got hotel rooms and did oh, the typical like, oh. let's party at a oh. hotel. And we were like, let's go bowling. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Because we, we were all going to prom with gay men. Like, <laughs> sure. we were the theater yep. group. Like, mm-hmm. there was not a straight yeah. man to be had. So none of us were getting laid. Sure. We're like, let's go bowling. That's funny. <laughs> so Andy's like makes this huge deal about the prom the entire movie and when she does get there she bones the hell out pretty quick I do like the um, interaction with her dad and you get that line because yes. I think that line where she says I just wanted to like what does she actually say it's um, I want to let them know they didn't break me I love that line yeah and I mean again like great that she went after she got stood up because Blaine is yeah. a weak dick I yeah like small dick energy there Blaine. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. but you know and again that's why a more powerful statement is if she ends the movie being like i'm good look guys. how awesome i look mm-hmm. here yeah do we even really get that great of a like why does he do it why yeah i was gonna say it? like like why does there's he not like initially a moment. break up with her i mean it's because he kind of tells steph off at one point beforehand but then he just kind of flakes out. He just kind of flakes. Yeah, it'd, be, it'd make more sense if we saw a deleted scene with like a parent disapproving of. I think Blaine. there has to be something yeah. missing. Yeah. from the edit that it's didn't a make little it in. weird because like me. we never see Blaine. We never see anybody's parents, but Andy. No, it yeah. has to be some interaction with James Spader of something that he tells her. Yeah, or yeah. hangs over his head. But yeah, it's a little. It's left a little unresolved. Yeah, and again, that's one of those things too of like. I get that you're 16 and that's why you did it and it's a romantic comedy and that's why you did it. But I'm sorry if somebody broke up with me because they didn't have the balls to be like, it's fine that I'm dating a poor girl. Yeah. No, like you don't just get to come back from that. And lies about it. Yeah. Saying that, oh, I asked somebody else and forgot about it. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Oh my God. And then when she goes to prom and Ducky's like, well, he came and he came alone. But she's not like, but he told me that he... She's like, oh. So that was a lie. Let's go home together. Right? Like, oh, good. He also lied to me (laughs) after making me feel like garbage. Let's go make out. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. So I feel like sort of the original ending, I haven't... I don't know if I've... I've never seen the actual cut of the original ending. I don't think there's footage of it. I think that it is like a My Best Friend's Wedding situation of... Well, I'm just going to end up with my friend. I think that's the idea. I don't think that they were necessarily like, like, oh, we're we're really in love at the end with her and Ducky. I think it's just she's just okay with being his friend. I don't know. I think that's. I think they were supposed to just like kiss and fall in love. Yeah, because I don't think you have another option in yeah. the 80s in a rom com. Like, I feel like my best friend's wedding, you're allowed to do it because he's because he's gay because he's gay blatantly gay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that I read something with Molly Ringwald doing an interview where she talked about that, where she said the relationship with Blaine is never going to work out, but she's going to be friends with Ducky forever. Yeah. I like that. 
And again, like I envision Andy going to New York, studying fashion, and one day Ducky just appears at like her apartment and they share like a really crappy, you know, studio in Astor Place. And then he takes her to like the tunnel. Yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> he shows up, I've had a revelation. <laughs> then they go out and and like tip some go-go boys. But in this movie, he randomly sees Christy Swanson. The soon-to-be-deleted out of the movie Christy Swanson, if you've been following her Twitter. I have, and honest to God, if she disappeared, who the fuck cares? And just replace yeah. her with, with an adult Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, because that's who they're because that's what they want to replace. Fine with that. So, but okay, I have a false memory of Christy Swanson being kind of like like quirky or like more of a fit for Ducky. I have this false memory of her looking like she's really not of her looking like Violet Bickerstaff or something, (laughs) but she just looks like Christy Swanson. Yeah, why do I have this memory of her being like a like a like oh I'm a nerd girl and you're Ducky and I've got like. Weird pigtails. Like, pigtails and like a wacky dress. Your brain is trying to do a better job yeah. than the <laughs> costume department did. Apparently, that's how, yeah, that's the weird Mandela effect that I have of, of this movie. I mean, I like that one. I support that. Right? Let's replace her with Violet Bickerstaff. Ooh, I like it. Right? We Let's can just like, cut yeah. in old Saved by the Bell stuff yeah. into the end of. I'm here for it. We can Love rise it. a Skywalker like sure. some. Sure. 100%. <laughs> Here for it. Just just grab some shots of her, like right, talking just, to Screech. Yeah. <laughs> oh, her her picture that she posted on her Instagram was so sweet. That was very sweet. Yes. She told the story of Dustin that just wanted to make sure that she was comfortable. Yeah. It was a very it was a very like courteous screen partner. Yes. R. R. I. P. Dustin Diamond. But um, yeah, she was just it was just Christy. <laughs> and it was and, one, and those, one shot. Of and her? those yeah. were reshoots too. <laughs> yeah, that um, Andrew was wearing that fucking wig. <laughs> and yeah, those were all reshoots. Yeah, not not the best wig. He does look thinner. Mm-hmm. You can tell because he was doing a you know, play. He's doing a play at the time. Yeah, but this all leads to the fact that the filmmakers were not pleased with the reshoots. Were not pleased with the way the movie ended. And just decided, you know what? We're just going to make it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. We watched a little bit of Some Kind of Wonderful last night with Eric Stoltz. And we just watched Mask with Eric Stoltz. Yes, we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it's Eric Stoltz in the 80s. Not a not a bad No, man. I'm, a, yeah, I'm all he's, about he's very cute. Eric Stoltz. Ooh. Okay. It's fully beat for beat gender swap. Pretty in pink. Pretty much. Yeah. There's not a lot changed of the story. Yeah. And again, it's one of those ones where you look at Eric Stoltz and Leah Thompson, and you're like, you two don't like each other either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what are... Okay, you spent a long time, like, drawing her. Yeah. And idealizing her, but, like, okay. She Every scene that she has where he's like, do you want to go out with me? Or can I give you a ride home? Or whatever. She's just kind of like, ah... Um, um, well, I, yes, I <laughs> it's so weird. Right. And essentially instead of like, I don't know, she's dating the James Spader character in this one who constantly cheats on her. Yeah. But that's kind of just of fine. Her face. <laughs> uh, the gaslighting in this is yeah horrible. But also again, like Eric Stoltz shouldn't have ended up with Mary Stuart Masterson either. Right. It's like, yeah, this is also not a good couple. 
You have never indicated that you have feelings for her. No, not at all. Stuart Masterson's characterization is very interesting, though. I like it. Well, what's interesting is that the characters in this movie full on are like, you're a lesbian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe, like, I don't know. She had that beautiful androgynous look. Like, the whole time I was just watching her. She did have those beautiful blonde highlights, though. I mean, and she is kind of, Mary Stuart Masterson is kind of like a lesbian icon for Fried Green Tomatoes. Yeah. Sure. Like, really. Not a great performance from her, I will say. Like, about halfway through the movie, I'm like, you are not, (laughs) I feel like you (laughs) and this character never really connected. In uh, Some Kind of Wonderful? Yeah. It just felt not quite there. Right, right. I always get Mary Stuart Masterson, of of course, confused with... Mary Louise Parker. Yes. Also from Fried Green Tomatoes. And then, for some odd reason, my brain just goes to uh, Maid Marian from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. and Mary uh, Elizabeth Master Antonio. Yes. Yeah. Very that's multiple like, names. That's like the weird like, connect the dots that I have. <laughs> no, I had to really think about the name I was saying. I'm like, okay, get it right. Amber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mary Stuart Masterson. Um, so she's like the, she's the female ducky in the, the duckette. She, she's the classic tomboy. She plays drums. Yep. You know, she's got a crazy car. That car, if that car was painted and running reliably, I would drive that car. It was adorable. Yeah. yeah. It's straight up a vintage mini with a, driver's side on the wrong side of the car yeah so oh cool it's so cool yeah. and like everything about her style i was just like oh man i wish i was that cool wait a minute yeah. was was the guy that really wants to date her from nightbreed yes no well the the main bad guy is from nightbreed oh sure yeah the guy that really wants to date her you know who he is he directed uh ellie is it ellie parker oh sure Scott Cuffey. He's yeah. like he's like BFFs with Naomi, Naomi Watts. Watts. Yeah. And he's also in... That's like her uh, gay best friend. He's in Mulholland Drive. Yes. Okay. I was watching him in the movie and I he's was on... He's the like punky redhead sure. guy that she's just like, no, make out with me to make, yeah. you know, to make him this jealous. And he's also yes. a tank girl. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I was reading about him and uh, Naomi Watts and they met on Tank Girl and they just became like best duties and just like worked together on everything moving forward. Isn't yeah. that cute? Mm-hmm. Kind of love that. Um, I was when we watched it last night. I remember thinking he was pretty cute. He is cute and some kind of wonderful, mm-hmm. like with his shaved head. And yeah. He's like a redhead, like shaved head, and like he kind of dresses like a little like kind of punk skinheadish. And then I went to IMDb and I got confused because I saw the guy from Nightbreed and I was yes. like, was it him? I don't no, remember. yeah, he's the main bad guy and he's awful. And I mean, not awful bad actor, but he's just like a alias. Uh, Elias Cotillas. Cotillas just looking like he's thirty five years old going to high school. Fully, fully. Not that Christopher Maloney. Not Chris. Don't make that mistake. <laughs> I fully did. I was like, wait, am I? Did I not remember? Very I, similar. Look, I think guys. it's on the commentary for What Hot American Summer, where Janine Garofalo is just introducing all of the cast in just random movies, and that's what she says for about Christopher Maloney. For, for this Christopher is Maloney, not Elias Cotillas. Don't make that mistake. He looks fifty. Yeah, fully. <laughs> fully. And again, lo- like everyone in this movie looks way too old and you know yeah like eric stoltz kind of has a little bit on of baby face left but yeah. still not no. enough yeah and then there's tiny is that tiny baby candace cameron yes it, it is. is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that tickled me it did uh, me too um she's pretty all, cute in it. All, she's yeah. very cute in it she does play the know-it-all precocious, precocious child, child yeah, which course. i hate that character 
in other things, but I don't know. I kind of, I, I kind of really liked her. Yeah, I feel like they they deployed it just yes. enough. Yeah, yeah. And she was more antagonizing the middle sister, which felt like a very real yes. dynamic. Yes, the little sister who went, or the middle sister who went on to be in the Adventures of Ford Fairlane with Andrew Dice Clay. Oh. Uh, yes, I, I that is a terrible movie. It's notoriously bad, but I remember loving it a lot. Okay, so it's interesting that John Hughes was like, okay. I don't really like the way that Pretty in Pink ended. We're going to do it again. We're going to gender swap it so it'll be so it'll be fun and different. Story goes offers the Leah Thompson role to Molly Ringwald. She says no. Of course. And good call. right good call. Yeah, yeah, good call. And supposedly this is what started their like rifts because they didn't work together for many many years. When did she do she's having the baby? Later on, is that him? RDJ. I think that was like 91, 92. The, the pickup artist is RDJ. She's having a baby as somebody else. Yeah. Um, but supposedly this is the this is the thing that kind of started off this like, you know, uh, rift between the two of them. Oh. I don't know. She's having a baby as Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth McGovern. Oh, you're thinking of, I know what you're thinking of. But we'll we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, I get that she was basically his muse for those yes. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, good for her yeah. for being able to stand up and be like, "No, it would have been weird. I don't want to make this movie mm-hmm. again. I feel like we've made this movie four times. Yeah, I would like to do something else now, please." <laughs> yes, Leah Thompson is cast in the role. She's great. I love her, Leah Thompson. She's fine. Yeah, yeah. She goes on to marry the director Howard Deutsch. Mm-hmm. He's still, cool. she he got still t- steadily works in TV. He does a lot of TV work. I'm okay. thinking of For Keeps. For Keeps. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. And that's who's the main guy in For Keeps? It's not Robert Downey Jr. Randall. I was also thinking it might be Betsy's wedding. Randall. Yeah. Batchenkoff. Mm. Not super familiar Randall with him. Oh, yeah. oh, he's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, sure. About that. He plays Buffy's boyfriend. Sure. In that movie. Oh, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And it's interesting when you think of Molly Ringwald's career trajectory that mm-hmm. I do think that she was that big in the 80s that she just kind of stepped away. Like yeah. she was offered yeah. Pretty Woman and she was just like, I don't really want to do it. Well, and I feel like she was one of the few that didn't have like huge scandals in the 90s right. yeah. and kind yeah. of just managed to figure out a way to navigate life yeah that she went to college she went off to europe i think that she made some art house european films she got married and lived in paris for many years and just kind of did what she wanted to which i mean my hat goes off to you molly i mean i feel like that's the happiest ending for Mm -hmm. a child star who was that big that young and now she's just on riverdale collecting (laughs) those paychecks bless her yeah yeah Play the mom, show up, kick ass, get the money, go. Didn't she also do another one where she was a mom? Was she in like... Uh, the true... The American Teenager. Yeah, American yeah. True yeah. Life. True Life. Yeah, something like that. That Oh, God, that show was terrible. Oh. <laughs> I get that one confused with the one that Leah Thompson did switched at birth. Oh, All sure. of these ABC yeah, family shows we don't even know what's going on there. are very similar. I'm also kind of surprised that the director directed both. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. kind of shocked that yep. he was like, sure, I'll do it again. Right, I already have my notes from the last one. Yeah. <laughs> Same camera angles, guys. Yeah. Like, let's just so, shoot it. I don't care. So interesting. Um, I will say, watching it because I watched it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm old. 
because in watching some kind of wonderful this time, I was like, oh, I am agreeing with the parents right? in a lot of these scenes. <laughs> <laughs> like when his dad flips out because he uses his entire college fund oh, man. to buy diamond earrings yeah. for a girl he has gone out with zero times. <laughs> that just like, makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. You should absolutely, like, I, you're lucky you got to leave the house. Yeah. Because uh, books are expensive. <laughs> college is expensive. Yeah. And they keep saying, like, he has enough for, like, the first year of college. And even if he doesn't want to go to college, he does want to go to art school. Yeah. Bitch, you still have to pay for that. Go to an art school. Go to an art college. Yeah. Right. It's like, those are just but as they still require money. You know why? Because they're private. Yeah. <laughs> art schools. You know? <laughs> and also, like, I feel like I'm just going to skip ahead to the end. Yeah. But, like... If you really love that guy, um, give him back the earrings. The ring. Yeah, the earrings. Yeah. And let him go to fucking college. Yeah. Like, I really wanted these earrings. <laughs> yeah, what an asshole. Gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do love, though, when he first notices that she's wearing the diamond earrings, um, the friend that's giving them a ride yeah. in the Suzuki Samurai. That actress, I kind of love. Oh, yeah. She but, was great. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, she looked like she had like a small role on Friends. She would just do the rounds of like sitcoms. She looks exactly the same. Oh, fully. She like yeah. in 1985 or 86, whenever this movie came out, she looks like how she looks just as like a grown woman. Oh, yeah. Because when she showed up, I was like, oh, yeah, she's on Friends. Yeah. <laughs> she, she did the, the cooking class. And she's just like, I'm going to take you to Aspen. What? <laughs> okay. And again, we're very much living in this like extravagant <laughs> wealth and yeah. yeah. The one kind of hitch is that the Leah Thompson character is not rich. She kind of lives in the same neighborhood as uh, Eric Stoltz, but she just hangs out with the rich. They just like her. Maybe because she's just really pretty or something. I don't know. Yeah, what, I feel you like know. you're if you have the beauty, you yeah, can, like, you can, buy your way yeah, into in. the rich kids, mm-hmm. even if you're not rich. It's like, oh, you're pretty enough. We want to be near you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a little difference in her, like, Blaine analogy character. Did you read a few years ago? I think it was around 2017 when you just started to see a lot of Me Too articles. Did you read Molly Ringwall's um, yeah, I did. piece in The New Yorker? Mm-hmm. Where she kind of talked about coming to terms with a lot of these 80s movies where... Shit that's totally acceptable in 1986, when you look back on it, just makes you cringe. There was one line, yeah. and I made a note about it, where um, Keith is talking to Hardy. So the douchebag Leah Thompson boyfriend's name is mm-hmm. Hardy. Right. Of course. Yeah. Like Ed Hardy. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Get it. Um, and he Hardy tells Keith, I'm glad you get her used. And I was like, mm-hmm. that is yeah. one of the most disgusting lines I've ever seen committed to film in what is ostensibly like a four teenagers rom-com. Yeah. And I was like, that was just okay. Yeah. Like somebody wrote it. A bunch of other people read it. A director yeah. had a teenager say it. Yeah. And everybody was like, this is fine. And you could say like, oh, well, he's the bad guy and that's for us to know how awful he is or whatever. But there's another scene where she is sitting next to him in the car and he's like, don't look at my property. And she's just like, "Eh," just like rolls her eyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not the moment where she gets up and is like, first of all. (laughs) What girl is not going to just like, I mean, maybe in, you know, 1986 or whatever. But it's like that when he says 
his property and she's just like, oh, him. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like this movie sets up some very dangerous precedents for, yeah. like, what is acceptable behavior from your high school boyfriend? <laughs> high school. High yes. school. The, the article went into the... Um, a very cringeworthy plot point of 16 Candles with Haviland Morris of how it's sort of insinuated that she's kind of date raped at the end of the movie. Oh, it's fully date rape. Yeah. And she <laughs> like in the interview or in the article, Molly talks to Haviland and she was just like, what did you think about this at the time? You were making it. And even Haviland was like, oh, yeah, like, I think we all kind, or at least I knew that this was crossing a line. Yeah. And it's. It's fully uncomfortable. And again, like there were a lot of moments in some kind of wonderful where I'm like, oh my God, this is textbook gaslighting. This is textbook grooming. Like this is an abusive relationship. And we are a baby step away from seeing Leah Thompson walk into high school with a black eye. And everybody was just going to be okay with it. Like this is not cool, guys. Because the only thing... Is that like when he's talking all that shit at the gas station, she's just like, sorry. But like when he fully to her face is just like, oh, what do you think? I'm going to like try to make it with a girl right in front of you. And she doesn't. She's just like, yeah, I guess. Like she doesn't say anything. Yeah. And he literally is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Making out with a girl in front of her. saw it. She, she's so <laughs> passive in the movie. Yeah. And again, that's why. I don't know. And it was the 80s and whatever. But none of these characters seem to elicit the kind of strong emotional response we're seeing from the per- the person who is objectifying right. them. Yeah. It's just like, okay, she's pretty. Like, yes, yeah. she's beautiful. <laughs> what else is there? And again, like, they go on a terrible date. Like, the beginning of that date, they seem to hate each other when yeah. they're at that restaurant. <laughs> it's like, why? Yeah. And she feels... Like, it feels like she didn't want to go on that date. She was coerced into it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, this is cool. Yay. (laughs) This is what romance looks like? Pass. Yeah. But at the end of the day, at the end of the movie, they all kind of realize that Keith? Keith. Keith is really meant for... Is he, though? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Watts? Watts. Watts, yeah. Because there's a scene where they're, like, lying in bed talking to each other, and there's, like, no chemistry. Yeah. It's like, okay, so fine, you two end up together. I didn't want that either. Yeah. And, you know, I like Eric Stoltz. Like I said, I think he's really cute in this. But I don't know that he's just that dynamic. Well, has he ever had chemistry with anybody? Right, you know? Like, have you ever seen him in a movie where you're like, the passion? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, he was famously, like let go midway through back to the future because Mm -hmm. they just really wanted Michael J. Fox, who is a dynamic actor. Yeah. Does have chemistry with everybody that he's in a scene with, you know, can't look away from him. But again, Eric Stoltz, like beautiful, like those cheekbones blessings from above. But it's just like, I'm never compelled to watch him and I'm never rooting for him to end up with anyone. You don't really, I think that his career trajectory was very I think that he was supposed to be a bigger deal than he is now. Sure. Yeah. Although I did just rewatch Mad About You, the okay. TV series, and I had forgotten he had like a recurring arc. Did he? In there. He plays 
Helen Hunt's ex-boyfriend. So he pops up all the time. Oh, but again, it's like, that. you also have no chemistry with Helen Hunt. <laughs> but she's I another one. I see why she dumps you. <laughs> yeah. I did read in the MDB trivia, which, again, grain of salt, that the director initially was looking at Michael J. Fox. For some kind of wonderful? Yeah. But that means that they couldn't have gone with Leah Thompson because she just played his mom yeah. <laughs> in the movie right before this. Yeah. That would have been weird. Yeah, I just feel like there had to have been somebody else. Yeah. I just, again, it was at the end of the movie, I'm like, I don't want any of them to end up together. (laughs) Yeah. The three of them just aren't really strong enough. I don't know. Yeah, just something about all three of them, their chemistry is just not right. It's just not there on the screen. And again, like every time Leah Thompson goes out with him, it feels like something she does not want to do. (laughs) She's just... Doing it out of the goodness of her heart. Yeah. She already said yes. She got backed into it. Like, it never feels exciting for her. Yeah. Her character is interesting. She has a similar scene to Andy uh, where Leah Thompson is talking a teacher out of detention. Yeah. And it's so different. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah. She's full on flirting. She's fully flirting with him. With That's this right. like, middle-aged bald. Ugh. I like your hair. I like, I like, I like your I like hair. I like your hair. This bald man. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like my brain is like, this character is 16. <laughs> 16. And this teacher is just like, no detention for you. <laughs> gross. What the hell? It was so gross. Yeah. So. And she full on is like touching him. And I'm like. Yeah. No, thank she you, please. does put her hand on him. <laughs> Needless to say, we have very complicated relationships with John Hughes movies <laughs> that came out yeah. of the 80s. Yeah. For good and for bad. Yeah. Yeah. For every uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, there's a, some kind of wonderful, I guess. Well, I yeah. guess for every Pretty in Pink, there's some kind of wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean. And again, like we kind of brushed up on it, but like I love Sixteen Candles. Yeah, it is same. the most problematic movie. Very problematic. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. like different layers no. of what's problematic and about it too. I know yeah. it's bad because as I was watching it, I was like, okay, so if you take out the horrible Asian racism, <laughs> yeah, you're still left with the horrible date rape plot line. Yes. See, as a kid. I just always thought, because she doesn't remember anything, and I think, like, she asked him, like, did we do anything or whatever? Yeah, he asked her, like... Yeah, he asked her. He was sober. Yeah. And so, he asks her. So, to me, I thought that, like, they really didn't. But she thinks they did, and that's bad enough. No, yeah, that's... Yeah. And, again, just, like, the fact that her boyfriend traded her in (laughs) and just handed her off and was like, well, you can do whatever she want to her. She's passed out. out. You just have to give me Sam's underwear underwear and tell me where she is. Gross. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because (laughs) randomly I'll say to Pete, question, and he'll, without a beat, say to me, yes, you're a total fag. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I I started timing. I was like, let's see how far we can get into this movie before something problematic happens. Yeah. Seven minutes and 16 <laughs> seconds. That is how far we get before the first racially inappropriate you're, line is uh, uttered. And your protagonist, too. <laughs> yeah, because it's the Trans Am conversation. It's seven minutes oh, where she's like, a black guy. A black guy. <laughs> no. no. A black Trans Am and a pink, a pink guy. guy. And I was just like, no, thank you. I don't like this at all. Yeah, yeah. 
It's the one thing that the friend is like a black guy, and then she's like, no. And also, like, okay, kind of like I get that there are literally no black people within mm-hmm. a thirty mile radius of this high school, apparently. <laughs> but also, ew. Yeah. <laughs> and it just gets worse from there. <laughs> but still, like I, I know I quote that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so often, and it's and I feel bad about it because <laughs> one of the lines I quote the most is one of Long's lines, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I shouldn't be saying this. Yeah, I feel like uh, the actor Getty Watanabe. I think that he's just kind of at this point, he's just like, it is what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's just very much like he's he's always happy to quote what it. We, what are we gonna do? Like, yeah. yes, I'm Long Duck Dong. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's not an excuse or anything. But I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like you have to. Yeah. What is yeah. he going to do? Go on an angry rampage? Yeah. About exactly. The movie? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And it's like I would never like if I saw him on the street, I wouldn't be like automobile. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, don't yeah. go there. Well, and the funny thing is, I used to see him all the time when I worked at the borders in Glendale. Okay. Because I guess he lived near there. Sure. So he was in there all the time. <laughs> and, you know, never once did I feel compelled to go up and, like, no more Yankee my winky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a great... It's He's funny. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, he's funny in it. And I, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, you love him. And you just want to be like, I love Long Dick Dong. But it's like... He gets to be the cool guy, though. He gets the he gets the like weightlifting girlfriend, mm-hmm. sexy American girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, who she's another one who looks thirty eight. Oh, easily. Who is this woman? Yeah, and again, like sixteen candles was the one where it's like, okay, all the freshmen are played by actual children, yeah, and then the seniors are played by men in their forties. Yeah, <laughs> and it is gross that they are existing in the same space <laughs> i asked my sister about that when we were kids i was like why do the freshmen look so little and she's like they're like 13 and i'm like yeah but i don't <laughs> i mean like unless you have a mega growth spurt yeah. you're not turning into jake ryan in the next three years no <laughs> but yeah i mean it's the john hughes universe yeah we yeah. kind of covered we kind of covered it all kinda, well we covered a lot we covered I feel a lot. like we covered all the romantic ones. Yes, like those yes. are the ones that all are the specifically big, all the big as, 80s like, movies, yeah. romances. Yeah, because there is, I mean, there's Ferris Bueller and there's Weird Science and there's Uncle Buck and oh, Breakfast Club. Uncle Buck. Yeah, Breakfast Club. I feel like is a lot of people's favorites. I think that's kind of like the cool choice to be like, oh, my favorite Breakfast Club. I mean, I it's totally my favorite. I have owned like six different iterations of that new criterion i finally stopped with the criterion i'm like i feel like i'm done buying the breakfast club on dvd now yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah i feel like pretty in pink just it it just feels like it's a better like when you're watching it like you were saying about uh i don't know if you said it on as we were recording but we're talking about some kind of wonderful and it's just it's just not as good it doesn't look as good it doesn't like i don't know there's just something about it and like I said, you could remake Pretty in Pink tomorrow without having to do a lot of restructuring mm-hmm. or rewriting or just gutting it. Yeah. You could really take a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the scenes, and just redo it. Yeah. And it would be fine. I mean, hopefully with some people where you build a little bit more chemistry <laughs> or tension yeah. or conflict. But yeah. still, like, the bones are good. It's, yeah. It's a good reminder for me that stuff that's very conventional – and there's a lot of cliches in that movie, but it's okay when it's done well. 
when you sort of trust actors like Bolly Ringwald, John Cryer, and Annie Potts. Like, they really elevate how by the numbers this story is. And I was looking up the reviews of how was this movie received when it came out, and it was surprisingly pretty mixed. Like, Pauline Carroll's review for The New Yorker wrote that Ringwald carries the movie, though she has nothing particularly arresting to do or say, and called the movie slight and vapid, and the consistency of watery jello. Ouch. (laughs) Um... Fair, but Watery also, jello. like, can you find me a romantic comedy that has, like, depth? Right. Especially at this time, too. Yeah, I mean, like, what else like, are we up against? This would have been pre-When um, Harry Met Sally, Nora Ephron, too. Yeah. Right. And I, even in those movies, like, I think When Harry Met Sally, 100% is my favorite romantic comedy mm-hmm. because I feel like there's character development and growth yes. and conflict. Yeah. But, you know, it's not... Schindler's List, like right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 and you don't go into the movie expecting it to be. Yes, I don't know. Like, I feel like you have to walk into the movie knowing, like, if I'm walking into a rom com, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not getting Oscar worthy monologues and right. cinematography that should be framed. It's you know, <laughs> although this movie was shot by the guy that photographed Silence of the Lambs. Too. Interesting. They got a really good DP for this movie. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I said, I feel like it probably ages the best, mm-hmm. and you could probably still cast Annie Potts in it tomorrow. Yeah, true. Totally yeah. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. It's got great music. Yeah, great yeah. soundtrack to yeah. this movie. Psychedelic furs. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Uh, I mean. John Hughes, I just don't know enough about him as a person, but to kind of wrap my head around what's going on with this guy that just like had his finger on the button of like his fix- youth, his fixation with young people. Yeah, yeah. but like yeah. he had like the music was right, like he got a lot mm-hmm. of things right. Yeah, you know. But then when you look at him, he just seemed like the I don't know, kind of like the squirrely little like nerdy guy, which is so like I don't know is that telling? the squirrely nerdy guy that <laughs> dressed like he was cool though. True. Yeah. I don't know. And again, like a lot of it is smart and a lot of it is, again, he's paying attention to what's happening yeah. and he's not treating it condescendingly, Yeah, which I think really sets him apart from a lot of people making teen movies is it's very like, oh, stupid teenagers. Yes. Well, especially teen movies up until like, what was his first of all of these? Was it, was it 16 Candles? Probably 16 Candles. Yeah. I mean, up until first. then it would have been stuff like Porky's. Yeah. yeah. If you really like dissect where well, movies for young people were and at I that time. I think a lot of the of the reviews from the time refer to these as like sex comedies. Yeah. Which I mean they're <laughs> Sixteen Candles is, is kind of a yeah. <laughs> is kind of a is kind of a sex comedy. Yeah, true, yeah. it's true. But I mean, you know what Again, uh, Breakfast Club isn't really fall into the romantic comedy category, but it is a teen movie. So it's like when you put it up against, you know, like a She's All That, you know, or like 10 Things I Hate About You, maybe Breakfast Club is elevated. It definitely you is. Know? And I feel like it's honest. And there are a lot of moments in the Breakfast Club that ring really true. Yeah. And they are not happy. Yeah. Like none of those kids are happy. Yeah. And that feels... Very real to the high school experience. Yeah. Like, if you are truly happy in high school, 
oh, I have some bad news about the rest of your life. Uh, 100%. Uh, would the gay character in Breakfast Club be... Um, Anthony it- Michael Hall? Would it, be, would it be Hall? Ali Sheedy? Would it be Ali Sheedy? The whole thing with or Ali. Would it be Emilio Estevez? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely <laughs> see Emilio Estevez, but I can also see Ali Sheedy just being fully yeah. pansexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, going how, all the way to how the How that end movie of the leaves that character always bothers me. That's the one I think thing. that's like yeah. the. It's like, it's a pretty perfect movie, but that's the one, like, thing that I don't like. At about least it. let her have that black shit in her eyes. Yeah. I like that black shit in my eyes. <laughs> we went to a we went to a live recording of the Breakfast Club that was done by Jason Reitman at LACMA. And it reading. was yeah. Aaron Paul as um Bender. Bender, Jennifer Gardner as Claire, James Vanderbeek as Emilio, um Mindy Project, Mindy, uh, Kaling. Mindy Kaling as Ali Sheedy. Interesting. And um I don't remember. What's his name from Young Adult? Um from Young Adult. Uh uh ba 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 Patton Oswald. Patton Oswald. As Anthony Michael as Hall. As Anthony Michael Hall. And J.K. Simmons just did uh, The Teacher. He read Stage Direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, The that, Janitor. That makes sense to me. So I did, in college, get to see Ali Sheedy perform as Hedvig. That's right. Hedvig <gasps> yeah. Oh. At Lucky. the Jane Street Theater. Oh. For $17.50. My goodness gracious. <laughs> so. That's legendary. Yeah. And so I feel like Ali Sheedy aged as yes. that character a yes. little bit. Yeah. I think so. And, I and then feel she like later that's did where like. she would have ended up. Yeah. And then she like later art. did like high, high art. art. Yep. Loved so I it. feel like she definitely would have been like this very queer. Yeah. Androgynous. Love it. Yeah. That's where that character would have ended up sure. as well. Yeah. I like that. Oh, man. Wow, that's legendary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, so I got cool. to hug Ali Sheedy, and she is, Ooh. like, the tiniest little... It's <laughs> like a little bird. You could break her if you, if you hug her too close. To. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the John Hughes movies kind of run the gamut. I mean, the, in this era, because like like we said, rom-com, this is, Breakfast Club is a little bit more of a... They're always worth revisiting, too. Oh my you God, always enjoy yeah. yourself whenever you watch them. Yeah. You might have different things that you'll be thinking about when you revisit them <laughs> in 2021, but they're definitely worth a revisit, though. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And any movie from that era. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it holds up a lot better than a lot of other stuff in yeah. the 80s because I feel like they were at least trying to acknowledge that everything wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, we definitely didn't get to every single, you know, beat of all these movies, but I think we got through a lot, especially for Pretty in Pink. Yeah. So, good job, you guys. This is kind of a joint episode of Pretty in Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful. Yeah. We could almost like... I mean, you can't can't not (laughs) talk about Some Kind of Wonderful. I know exactly. You need to talk about both. Yeah. It's the weird, like... (laughs) Is it necessary? Well, and watching them back to back, Mm -hmm. it was just like... Oh, I Whoa. just watched this movie. <laughs> it's jarring because I feel like John Hughes. Why did you write this movie? Yeah, like, like let you it just go, man. made this. I'm sorry you didn't get the ending you wanted, but yeah. and was that even like acknowledged at the time? Were the reviews just like why? <laughs> were just some of the so. reviews like <laughs> already saw it? Why did we need this? I don't know if it was even like brought up or acknowledged like it's kind of funny it's kind of like a like a weird genre thing like didn't stephanie myers do like a gender swap twilight book that was 
nonsense. Yeah. yeah. But they didn't do a whole movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Thankfully, everyone in that movie has aged out of playing the same character. Yes. Yes, it's true. That is, I feel like they're all relieved. They're like, um, vampires can't age and I look older. So, oh, darn. (laughs) Can't make that movie. Yeah. But uh, I still think that Stephanie Meyer will come crawling back to those books and write a new trilogy. She's going to. Absolutely. Well, Midnight Sun sold a bajillion copies six months ago. So, yeah, of course she's going to do all three. Now, is that the one that's from Edward's point of view? Mm -hmm. Well, that was the one that she wrote, uh, like, she wrote it at the she same wrote like time. ten years ago, oh. and then it got leaked. Part sure. of it got leaked, so she stopped. Right, and then she released it in August of last year. Wow! But I mean, El James did the same thing with Fifty Shades, and she wrote all three books from mm-hmm. Christian's point of view. Wow! Redundant. <laughs> I could do a whole three hours set on like why those books are garbage. That's a whole another oh, podcast. Yeah. Right? That's a books I, that made us I, yeah we've been we've been angry. thinking about angry we've yeah. been thinking about made doing us sad. Uh, we've been thinking about doing a commentary watch with us for our patreon just for the first twilight of twilight yeah just a commentary track i highly recommend uh doing a shot every time you see jorts so by the Ooh. time you get to the end of the movie you're drunk enough to think it's good ah uh, the werewolves yes yes they do wear a lot of jorts cutoffs yes <laughs> Maybe we'll get around that, get around to that pretty soon. But um, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. yeah. Thank you so much for Thank coming. Thank you on. for coming on for our Valentine's Day episode. Yes, indeed. Yes, I'm, I'm feeling the apathetic teenage love. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, we'll um, we'll be sure to go out and get some uh, some chocolates from our local drugstore in honor of this Valentine's Day. I'll bring you something nice from TJ. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, yeah, much Yay. better. I'll still take a tiny little white teddy bear with a with a satin heart in between its arms. Oh my goodness! Well, thank you so much, everybody, for uh, coming to uh, this episode of Movies That Made Us Gay. Amber, this was so much fun. It was. Yes. I'll come back anytime. Guys. We'll have you back for a, for a Hedwig episode. A hundred. I want to talk about Hedwig on the show. Yeah, and we need somebody who's seen it live. Well, we've seen it live, mm-hmm. but not like the OG cast. Although Stephen Trask was there, but. That's another story. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, we can uh, you can follow us on Patreon. Yeah. Head on over to Patreon and check out our tiers. There's some fun uh, watch with us commentary tracks. We have our fun newsletter newsletters. that we're working on right now for the month of February. It's it, probably going to be out by the time this episode comes out. Yes. Uh, it is. Uh, it's a new year. The weather's cooling down. It's our favorite season. Award season. I know. I was going to say, I was just working on uh, doing little Oscar write-ups. All right, Moira. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Awards. Um, Yeah, so the new newsletter is coming out very, very soon. So head on over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at... Oh, wait. No, no, no. no, I'm getting this wrong. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at movies that made us gay. And Twitter at mtmugpod. Yes, indeed. You can follow me, Pete... On Twitter and Instagram at Peter Lasagna. And I'm Scott Youngballer on Twitter. Oh, no, on Instagram. See, see, I, <laughs> see now mine are, my handles are different, so I yeah. always I always confuse them. I'm Scott Youngballer on Instagram and Oscar Scott on Twitter and just Scott Youngballer on Letterboxd. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, coming and listening with us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.